0: Welcome, friends. Welcome back to The Corbett Report. James Corbett here CorbettReport.com coming to you in October. I was going to say April for some reason. October of 2023 with another edition of Solutions Watch, that regular weekly D program where week after week after week, we, that is you and me, we are here engaged in the exercise of finding ways to effect change in the world and to make the world a better place and... This week, I have an interesting solution to a problem that you may not recognize as a problem, or you may not recognize the depths of the problem. So things will get a little philosophical towards the end, but first up, the nuts and bolts of what I'm talking about. Well, I've had this feedback in various ways over the years in different uh, contexts, but the most recent one is my interview 1835 where I did the covid 911 watch-along with uh, Ryan Christian of The Last American Vagabond, and of course, video editor extraordinaire Brock West, and we talked about covid 911 If you haven't seen that discussion, please check it out. I think it was worth your time. But in the comments of that particular um, broadcast, live stream, pirate stream, uh, Corbett Report member Joanne left the following observation. Here is something to keep in mind when sharing links to videos, such as the recent viewing Interview 1835 COVID 911 Watch Along with James Brock and Ryan. The comments below the video link I sent were off putting, viewed as extremist by religious or anti governmental zealots. The effect was to dissuade my friend from watching this excellent video. It would be wise to use a link that is untainted by comments. Such as the one on archive.org. And then she links to the archive.org version of the post, which of course is always linked up underneath the video post itself. But in case you wanted or need it, there it is. Um, So actually, thank you, Joanne, for pointing that out and for raising that very simple solution to a potential problem. When you're giving a link to someone, you might want to think about how not simply how someone will react to the content of the podcast or video itself, but increasingly importantly in this online social media age in which we live, the response, the comment section of that content. So um, potentially you might want to keep this in mind when sending a, for example, a link to that the next Corber Report video, if you send the Bitshoot link and every single video, uh, every single comment on every single Bitshoot video is about the Jews, the Jews, the Jews. How can we turn this into a topic about the Jews? Maybe that might be off-putting to some people that you were directing that to. Hey grandma, check out this video. It's very interesting and thoughtful. I took a look at that comment section and I don't want to watch the video. I'm sure I'm sure we've all probably experienced that at some point and as I say I get this feedback quite a bit I've had it several times um people saying that uh they uh they were going to share a link but couldn't because of the comment section, or people saying that they were going to subscribe to the Corbett Report, but then they saw the comment section and the kind of crazy people who inhabit the comment section and thought, well, maybe I don't want to be involved in that. So it is something to keep in mind. Now, of course, again, this may reflect more on that person than it does on the material itself. Certainly, anyone who is trying to hold me accountable for what people who watch or listen to me think or believe is, I think, not not playing nicely, shall we say, um, and perhaps that does reflect on them, but it is something to reflect on. The comment section is increasingly important, as I say, in this online social media age, and in fact is starting to dominate content itself and in some ways perhaps even dictate or influence that content, more on which when we get into the philosophical aspects of this. But one, the first order of business to think about when we're looking at commentary in the comment section of a given video or podcast, is it even real? I mean, yeah, the comments are crazy, or they suck, or they offer nothing interesting, or they just devolve into flame wars, but Is it real humans that are doing this? And I have raised this spectrum multiple times before, perhaps most notably in episode 332 of the Corporate Report podcast on the weaponization of social media, in which I talked about the literal psyops, military units, government spooks, and others that increasingly infest online spaces and have taken over various big tech platforms. I have, as I say, talked about that in the past. I will be talking about it more in the very near future, so maybe refamiliarize yourself with episode 332 if you've forgotten it but just in the meantime we can just take this as a representative example of the fact that at the very least we should stop and really cogitate on whether the people we are interacting with in any given forum or comment section is a real human being case in point um Te- tech radar pro had this up recently this headline was making the rounds bots now make up nearly half of all internet traffic And that's very bad news for our security. You don't say. It says advanced bots are growing alongside bad bots. And it says uh, bot traffic, and more specifically, bad bot traffic, is hitting new all-time highs, putting everyone's cybersecurity at risk, new researchers claimed. Now, as you can see, they're taking the the cybersecurity angle to this and bots that are trying to um, find, get information about you, skim your credit card, whatever, um, sucker you into scams, sucker you into clicking false links. Yes, of course, those kind of bots exist. But again, as I say, as I covered in episode 332 and elsewhere, there are other kinds of bots that exist, including um, personas that are managed by literal PSYOPs officers sitting there uh, in, in the PSYOPs headquarters in the UK, in the US, in Israel, in China, in presumably every major nation on the planet um, at this point has their own PSYOP army online that is doing this. And Why? As always, cogitate on why it is so important to have bots and personas and social media agents in there, in spaces where people are communicating, disrupting their communications, disrupting their conversations, trying to take it over, trying to pollute it, dilute it, whatever the case may be. As always, I would like to point out that that once again reflects the fact that your mind is important. This is a battle for your mind, and that is why so much time and energy and effort is invested on a daily basis in trying to influence what you are thinking. And one of the key ways to do that in the increasingly online age is to influence the comment section of any given website. So, as always, this is Solutions Watch, not Problems Watch. So the problem, the question becomes, what can we do about this? Well, an interesting answer is posited at Cryptome.org, which people may or may not know or remember, um, was founded by John Young and was sometimes, back in the day, referred to as the original WikiLeaks, um, insofar as this was a website where John Young would post up whatever was sent to him and post it up without redaction, without editing, without working with approved media entities like Julian Assange did, remember back in the day with his Iraq war logs and other things. Well, we're working with the New York Times, so you can trust us. Well, John Young never did that. A- anyway, people who are interested can check out my uh, the conversation that I had with John Young on that topic and about Cryptome.org. But anyway, uh, the better part, actually over a decade ago, I believe in 2012, it uh, Cryptome.org first posted up this post Uh, on their page, The Gentle Person's Guide to Forum Spies. And in that, the meantime, it has been updated with various document releases that are of relevance to this post, Um, talking about a lot of GCHQ documents that were being released in 2014 in the wake of the the Snowden revelations and NSA. People might remember there was a bit of follow-up. Greenwald, for example, uh, working for The Intercept at that point. The Intercept, and uh, NBC and others were publishing GCHQ documents talking about JTRIG, the Joint Threat uh, Reduction Intelligence... Group? <laughs> Question mark? Uh, don't, don't trust me on that acronym. But uh, JTRIG um, was a GCHQ group that had a lot of these documents about uh, full-spectrum cyber effects, online deception, their operational, the disruption operational playbook, squeaky dolphin psychological operations, and a precursor to all this sabotage, a leaked OSS sabotage of organizations document, um, which is it's worth taking a look at if you haven't seen it before. But just talking about Simple Sabotage. You remember that was a a Solutions Watch episode a while back? Well, here's the OSS version of that. And if you've never looked through this, it's worth your time and attention, even in the context of today's conversation. Talking about general devices for lowering morale and creating confusion, giving lengthy and incomparable, com- comprehensible explanations when questioned, um, acting stupid, being as irritable and quarrelsome as possible. If that sounds like a lot of comment sections that you found yourself in in the past, hmm, I wonder if there is a connection, Uh, or the GCHQ documents, as I say, the disruption operational playbook talking about infiltration operation, ruse operation, set piece operation, false flag operation, false rescue operation, disruption operation, and sting operations, which are apparently conducted by JTRIG. And there's not a lot of detail in these. These are slides for a presentation briefing, obviously, but they do talk about how to, for example, discredit a particular individual target, set up a honey trap, change their photos on social networking sites, write a blog purporting to be one of their victims, or email a text their colleagues, neighbors, friends, etc. So there's those types of operations. But there's also operations against groups and other such uh, uh, bodies that are contained in these kinds of documents. So anyway... There's a lot here, but today let's take let's hone in on this Gentle Person's Guide to Forum Spies, which has been kicking around the internet for a while and I believe probably first took some form for form or shape in the old Usenet group newsgroup days don't hold me to that. I don't have anything to back that up. I just have a feeling that this has been around for a very long time. And as you'll see, some of the information contained here uh, definitely applies to more of the old forum, internet forum, online forum, BBS almost style um, conversations that you would have online, more so than the kind of fragmented social media conversations that happen online these days. But anyway, I think there are some general things, points here to tease out that will be of use. Um, Specifically, this post contains a COINTELPRO techniques for dilution, misdirection, and control of an internet forum, uh, 25 rules of disinformation, 8 traits of the disinformationalist, how to spot a spy, and 17 techniques for truth suppression. But let's today, let's concentrate on this COINTELPRO techniques for for dilution, misdirection, and control of an internet forum. If you are unfamiliar with that term, COINTELPRO Pro please do look it up. Um, you can start, as usual, start with the search bar on corporatereport.com and you can find more about the admitted FBI program for disrupting and otherwise curtailing the activities of whatever was deemed to be a problematic group by the FBI at the time that they were doing this most actively or at least most documentably in the 50s and 60s. But they totally stopped, guys. Don't worry. Anyway, COINTELPRO is a, it's definitely something you should know about. But um, let's see. Uh, first of all, let's see if I can get this text so it actually fits in the screen. Um, yeah, there we go. Okay, so we have various techniques. Um, it says there are several techniques for the control and manipulation of an internet forum, no matter what or who is on it. We will go over each technique and demonstrate that only a minimal number of operatives can be used to ev- eventually and effectively gain a control of an uncontrolled forum. Okay, not very good English here, but anyway, you get the point. And this is written as as from the perspective of you are, a, you are the spook, you are the spy, you are the infiltrator who wants to go in and start to tear apart a community that's coming together to discuss things online in some productive way. Oh, we can't have that. So what can we do about it? Well, technique number one, forum sliding. Again, this is very specifically in the old internet forum days but you'll remember those forum fora that used to exist that had the ordered rank of and usually the the newest post up at the top so people would bump the newest post by adding a bump to the the uh, or an old post to bring, bring it back up to the top of the forum and forum sliding is essentially that having a number of unrelated posts on hand at the uh, flick of a switch you can just use one of your fake accounts to bump one of those old posts and make it come to the top and then take any information that's important that people want to talk about and bumping it down so that it goes off the front page or off the first page so that people can't see it as easily and conversation dies down. Anyway, as I say, that's more of an old online forum technique. Maybe that applies to some of the social media that exists now and the way conversations happen. To be honest, I haven't been on Twitter in, what, six years now? Five years? Something like that. So I don't know how it works anymore. Oh, wait, it's not Twitter, it's X, right? Or threads, I've never been on threads. I, uh, I've, people have told me to get on Noster, and I've considered it, but then I thought, why? <laughs> so I, I'm not on Noster yet, so I don't know how social media conversations work, I must admit, but anyway, I'm thinking that the forum sliding is more for old-style old internet forum. But technique number two, consensus cracking, definitely happens online all the time. So the general idea is to um, take a consensus that has formed amongst a community and break it up. How do you do that? Well, under the guise of a fake account, a posting is made which looks legitimate and appears to forward something a... something true, something that, in fact, as the agent, as the spy, as the infiltrator, you don't want people to focus on. You don't want people to believe. So what you do is you take your fake account and you put, you seem to be advocating that with a legitimate post, but you use a very weak premise without substantive proof to back the posting. And then alternative fake accounts, which you're also puppeteering, can be used to then Uh, counteract that weak position with a stronger position. And essentially, as it says, the stronger evidence or disinformation in your favor is slowly seeded in. And people who are reading along with this conversation, and keep in mind, All of these techniques are always about the people who are just reading along. It's not so much about winning over individual people in a comment section, it's about who's reading the comments and what they are thinking as they read through these posts and they see the weak argument presented and then they see a very strong counter argument and they don't see a response or a totally inadequate response from the other account which they don't know is another fake account by the same person. But anyway, hey, suddenly it looks like, and you're drawn along in that narrative to, oh, you know what, maybe I do believe this thing that this other person posted. So, that's one way of doing it. Topic dilution, uh, keeping the forum readers on unrelated and non-productive issues effectively stopping um, uh, any real productivity from taking place. So, um, gradual dilution is intense enough, then the readers will effectively stop researching and simply slip into gossip mode. And they can be misdirected away from facts towards uninformed conjecture and opinion. And uh, again, I'm sure we have all seen this millions and millions of times online Uh, it happens every single day that yes of course you could have the most detailed and comprehensive report that goes deep diving into specific details and facts but hey guys how about this and then you throw out some wacky conjecture the wackier the better or the more unrelated, the better, because then everyone can simply participate in that gossipy conversation that doesn't require any thinking, it doesn't require any facts, it doesn't require any argumentation. It's just, hey, let's switch to gossip mode, and now we're talking about this other thing over here. Uh, happens all the time. Information collection is an interesting tactic to worry, to worry about, to think about, to plan for. Uh, an example of this technique is to post your favorite weapon and then encourage other members of the forum to showcase what they have. In this matter, it can be determined by reverse proration what percentage of the forum community owns a firearm and or an illegal weapon or whatever, and substitute favorite weapon for whatever, and you can start to collect information on other things that people have or believe. Their favorite techniques of operation, for example. You want to know how a group operates? Just just ask them. Hey, this is what I like to do. What about you guys? And then... Watch the uh, responses rain in, and or this is what I have in my collection. What do you guys have? What do you use? What kind of VPN are you using? Etc. Um, again, that's a way of outside interests collecting information on you. And if you're a longtime solutions watcher, you'll already know one potential answer to this: the very simple suggestion of salting your data. Why on earth do you tell people about your specific individual circumstances, your your real factual data and information about you and your particular circumstances to complete strangers online and complete strangers that you don't even aren't even aware of who are reading this conversation, not even participating in it, but just reading it online? Why on earth? No, I am. Yeah, of course, I'm a 400-pound French woman living in Guyana and i am divorced with four children and i uh like to i'm a basket weaver and i like to uh collect seashells and stamps and i have a lot of gerbils sure why not why why on earth does anyone need to know about the specifics of your particular cir- circumstances and situation other than to collect data on you um technique number 5 anger trolling which i think is Fairly self-explanatory, but uh, the idea of provoking people into, essentially, angered responses. Um, Lead the forum by replying to your own posting with your own statement of violent intent and that you don't care what the authorities think, man! Inflammation to get other people to join in and to potentially post incriminating things about themselves, um, etc., that can then be used in later prosecution. It can and presumably does happen, and... As always, as if you go back and study the history of COINTELPRO, it was always the feds and the feds' agents that were always the ones, hey, man, let's let's storm the Capitol. Let's go in. Yeah, oh, guns blazing. What, are you a wimp? Are you a coward? Come on, we're going to do this. And we're a violent revolution or nothing, man. We got to take up arms. Hmm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you go first, ray-ups. Maybe I'll follow you later, <laughs> is the correct response there. Anyway, um, technique number six, gaining full control. Um, people continually maneuvering for a forum moderator position. Again, this may or may not be applicable in the in the modern context, but again, you get the concept, and again, it does go back to the old COINTELPRO um Agents and they're uh, always the person who was most interested in being head of security for any organization and wanting to plan operations and stuff. More likely than not, the Fed in that group. So, and we know what that ha- how that works and how they set people up and set up operations that would never have existed without all the Feds um, involved in those operations. Again, if you're in the corporate report audience, you probably know about that history. If not, catch up on the archives. You will find out all about it. Anyway, in conclusion, for this particular post that says, remember, those these techniques are only effective if the forum participants do not know about them. Once they are aware of these techniques, the operation can completely fail and the forum can become uncontrolled. At this point, other avenues must be considered, such as initiating a false legal precedence to simply have the forum shut down and taken offline. But here's, I think, an incredibly important point. As I stress so many times, like with false flag terrorism, the real win is to simply expose the, 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 the existence of false flag terrorism. When you reveal the man up the magician's sleeve and all of the contraptions and devices he has up there to fool you, and once you know how the trick works, it doesn't work on you anymore wow, because, oh, that's a trick. I know. I know how you do that trick. Oh, yeah, you got that thing up your sleeve. Yeah, I know how that works. And again, once you can consciously identify what is happening in these forum, fora, and conversations, and threads that are started online, and you can see the way that people are trolled, and manipulated, and angered, and all of the different techniques that are used to derail conversation, you can call it out and you can stop it in its tracks, because there isn't really an effective response when one of these techniques is revealed for what it is. So that's something important to keep in mind. As I say, this is a longer post. It has the 25 rules of disinformation become incredulous and indignant. indignant the how-dare-you gambit, or using straw men in your arguments, or sidetracking opponents with name-calling and ridicule, questioning motives, uh, associate opponent charges with old news demand complete solutions what you don't have a complete solution for how everyone in the planet's going to live for the rest of the human species and into perpetuity then that's not a solution at all <laughs> uh, change the subject Um, use abrasive or controversial comments in hopes of turning attention to a new, more manageable topic. That's a very, very favorite one. And I have seen, as I say, I've been online for a number of years now, I've seen it all, and I've seen the way that conversation can be completely and totally derailed from anything whatsoever to do with the actual topic of the thing that is supposedly being commented on by someone making some wacky, outlandish, anger-filled whatever, distractionary post that's nothing to do with the actual topic, but everyone wants to jump in and, oh, I must refute you, or I must defend you, or, oh, let's all talk about this now. And people can be very easily led along that path. I've seen it happen many, many, many times. Anyway, as I say, this is a lengthy post. There's a lot more information in here, so it will be in the show notes, of course, as always, so you can go and read the post in its entirety and really let some of those techniques and ideas sink in so that you can then call them out as they are happening in real time. And you can be the one to break the chain, to break the the magician's wand, to show what's up his sleeve and to stop the disruption from happening. It can be done. Um, But again, we do need... We do need to be able to identify, understand, and call out these techniques when we see them happening. And these aren't all. This is not an exhaustive list. There are many more. And as I say, a lot of these were specifically developed for the old forum era. Well, now we're in the the social media era, and there's all sorts of new techniques and different techniques and different ways of derailing conversation. Case in point, Um, people might remember my recent Solutions Watch episode on how and when and why to cite sources, which talked about, of course, the importance of citing sources, and I do it all the time, and here's a good way of doing it, here's an unfruitful way of citing sources, or even hiding things by citing a certain source instead of another source, etc., etc., and one of the things I mentioned specifically is that what's your source on that? can sometimes not be a good faith question, but actually a tactic to try to draw someone into a a debate essentially about, oh yeah, well, you cite this source, but they also said this thing and blah, 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 and derailing or disrupting the argument that you're attempting to make in the first place. And when I pointed that out, I did actually, I have known about this term for many years, but I failed to bring the term up when I was discussing that, Luckily, someone in the comment section at CorbettReport.com did. In fact, Jason Carswell, Corbett Report user Jason Carswell, correctly identified that technique as a type of disruption technique that is used in comments online. And he uh, linked to sedit.net, which is a uh, Reddit alternative, um, specifically where he had a post about sea-lioning. Have you heard of sea-lioning? A harassment tactic under the guise of sincerity by trolls in online discussions to pester others with repeated disingenuous questions and persistent requests for evidence for basic claims aiming to erode the patience and goodwill of targets to make them, to make them seem unreasonable. And this, this idea, why sea-lioning, it comes from a comic strip that was published, I believe, originally in 2000, I want to say fourteen. Anyway, the better part of a decade ago, um Wondermark by David Mulkey um, and it shows it's the comic strip panels and it's just two people on a locomotive engine. Why not? I don't mind most marine mammals, but sea lions I could do without sea lions. Shh, don't say that out loud. Pardon me, I couldn't help it over here. Oh, now you've done it. I would like to have a civil conversation about your statement. Would you mind showing me evidence of any negative thing any sea lion has ever done to you? Go away. There's no need to raise your voice. I'm right here. I'm just curious if you have any sources to back up your opinion. You're in my house. You, you made a statement in public for all to hear. Are you able to defend the statements you make or simply unwilling to have a reasoned to discussion? Told you, dude. Sea lions. I've been unfailingly polite, and you two have been nothing but rude. I'm trying to eat my breakfast. Very well. We shall resume in an hour. <laughs> Anyway, again, I'm sure people can relate to that if they have ever attempted conversation online. So here's another term, sea lioning, which again, once you identify it and you understand what's going on, maybe this person is not simply being just polite and politely asking for references and sources and trying to engage. Maybe they are trying to pester you and make you essentially give up in frustration. Okay, so again, as I say, I think it could be valuable to identify some of the other techniques and tactics that are used um, in this new age in which we're stepping into. And to once again, once we identify them, we can hopefully stop them in their tracks. So so find out about the types of techniques that are used and the types of the, the types of characters that you meet in various comment sections, the people who will talk about what's not being talked about. So always trying to divert the attention. So don't okay, so you've just listened to an hour-long podcast about this, but hey, they didn't talk about this, and now suddenly the conversation is about something that was not even, that wasn't even part of what was being talked about, but now it is. uh, The, uh, I haven't watched this video yet, but let me say something about the title of this video that makes me think of this other thing. Again, I'm sure we've all seen that. Um, Pedants of various stripes trying to teach, just trying to teach other people about various things. Um, grammar Nazis are not always grammar Nazis. And I will I will point out that the most recent edition of Solutions Watch on the newspaper revolution, now a good one quarter of the comment section of the uh, newspaper revolution on CorbettReport.com, is now about a grammatical mistake That was not made (laughs) in the course of that video. Literally, someone took the time to point out that James said this thing correctly, but someone somewhere out there that I'm imagining might, if they were to transcribe this, might use the wrong letter when spelling this word. So now there's an entire (laughs) comment thread about this mis- misspelling? That wasn't a misspelling. It wasn't a mistake. But anyway, someone somewhere out there could make a mistake. So now, instead of focusing on what we can do to support the newspapers that are out there, start our own newspaper, let's come around to, together, d- effect change in the world around this idea. No, now it's about grammar nazi So anyway... Um, there's the, I can think of a million reasons why anything that you say, any solution you propose, any action that you propose will not work that type of person. Um, I'm sure, again, we've all encountered that type of person. As I say, there are many different ways of derailing and disrupting, and not every single one of them is employed in a conscious way by disinfo trolls or agents or people who are trying to disrupt a conversation consciously. Unfortunately, given that we are now steeped in this online comment uh, society, where so much of what we consume is now now in the form of social media with comment sections and we see these conversations happening online all the time, we are starting to adopt these types of ideas and these forms of conversation. We're starting to think that that is how actual human conversation works. (laughs) Please take a moment, as I know you all know, but take a moment to consciously recognize that comments that you read online That is not real human conversation. Even if there are real humans on both sides of that conversation that are really dialoguing, that is not how humans talk in real life. That is not how an actual conversation or argument actually happens in real life. And when we start to just subconsciously, we're not thinking about it, we're not, of course, of course that's not how people talk, but you're not consciously thinking that when you're in the comment section reading comments, and it feels like a conversation, and we start to adopt the habits of people in these conversations so that we start to even adopt some of these disinformation tactics and techniques without even realizing that that's what they are, or that the whole point of them is to disrupt conversation, to stop groups from coming together, to from taking action, to stop Um, activists from getting out on the street and actually affecting change in the world. It's an incredibly, incredibly important thing. And this is where it gets a little philosophical, because, again, I think... The, the the types of things that pass for conversation online are now becoming the model through which we start to understand how people interact. We ha- the less time we spend in face-to-face, actual human interaction with other humans, in actual dialogue, the more time we spend online typing up screeds at each other, the more we start to think that that is actual human communication. And that's very worrying for a number of reasons. Here's one of them. How much of what you think or believe about the last thing that you watched or the last thing that you you listened to or the last thing you consumed online, how much of what you think about that is your own? How much, how much is that your own actual, authentic, natural response to what you were watching? And how much of it is, oh, I read that thing in the comment section. I agree with that guy. Or, oh, that guy made a stupid point. Oh, that's dumb. No, no, I don't like that. Or how much of your own thoughts about what you are being exposed to, the content that you are consuming in this content-consuming society, how much of that is authentic? And how much of it is being placed into your head by comments? This is not a rhetorical question. It's a real question that I think people are not answering um, to their own detriment. And of course, you have to answer in your own way, in your own time, um, and you have to ponder that for yourself. But Even myself, I've noticed that when there are comment sections on various places where social media platforms, whatever, well, of course, once, you know, as you're watching a video, as you're listening to a podcast, you might scroll down and look at the comments instead of concentrating on what's actually being said. And it got to the point where I thought, you know what, I'm going to just do a little experiment just for one week, just for one week, I am not going to read a single comment on any of the things that I am listening to or watching. I am just going to come up with my own responses and see if that changes the way that I am processing and understanding what I am listening to and seeing. And I did find a marked change in the way that, oh, now it's more I have to think for myself rather than relying on what other people... It's such an insidious thing that you do not realize it until you take the time and effort to try. I can just try for just one week Okay, I'm not going to read the comments. I'm going to come up with my own thoughts on this thing. And maybe, hey, if if you really need to, write them down with pen and paper. Why not? And come, if that's if that's what helps you think, then do do so. But do so for yourself and see what you think about something rather than what other people are putting in your head for you to think. So, this is the point of the episode in which I generally would put out the call to action. Hey, guys! Come to corporatereport.com and leave your comments about what kinds of techniques and other things are, are being missed out here. You know, I'd love to hear your response. Actually, this time, I would not love to hear your response. I think let's not perform the performative contradiction of having the comment section on this particular post. No, no, no. I'm going to close the comment section on this post so that you can internalize this information for yourself, by yourself. Can you do it? Will you do it? Anyway, it's something to think about. And I think, as I say, this is probably a problem that people are not thinking much about, but that I think is an increasing problem as more and more and more of our lives are lived in the media matrix and more and more and more of our thoughts are not our own. All right, well, here I am trying to regain and reclaim cognitive sovereignty one podcast at a time. I hope you're here for the ride. James Corbett, Corbett CorbettReport.com.